So we said, just to review for a second, we saw Machlokas in the Mishnah, that if someone sleeps underneath a bed in a sukkah, what's the halacha? Which seemed to have to do with where are you? What is your domain? And the way Rashi formulated it was, is a whole arayim of hathal al kvarna, is a temporary ohel, a temporary tent. Mevathal nullify the broader, bigger, permanent tent, which was the bed is being considered an impermanent tent, a, a temporary tent, vis-a-vis the, the broader tent. So the question was, is that mevatel? So the machlokas in the mission was between the Tanakama, who said that uh, you're not Yotze, which means it is mevatel, it does nullify it. And Rabbi Huda said that, uh, what do you mean? It's fine, it's no problem. You can, uh, it's, we, don't, we, don't, uh, we, we don't say that the Ol Harai is trumps the Ol Kvav. We don't say the fact that you're in an Ol, a temporary Ol, is more meaningful than being an Ol Kvav. We said there are different factors, right? One is Arai, that in and of itself is something which is the whole subject of the debate because it's temporary. The other thing we saw in the Gemara is size matters. It has to be ten Tfachan to be under conversation. Yesterday we saw which is really setting up, like we said, it's really setting up a whole conversation until Chafal phone base. Yesterday we saw that, <clears throat> that there's a Mishnah in um, Ohalos about what's called Ohel She'enu Asubideyadam, which Rashi explained meant an Ohel that was not deliberately made. Mm-hmm. So although it literally translates to be, to mean... Right, it's not made by man, but that's not really the issue. The issue is, was it miskavin la soso ohel? Was it intended to be made in ohel? So the examples the, the Mishnah gave were water erodes something, or animals, or even if a person puts it together, but not with the intent of making it into ohel, that was a machlokas. That's a new factor, right, in terms of making something, uh, in terms of something being in, significant as an ohel or not. We're talking yesterday afterwards a little bit, it's interesting that this is a different type of factor, too. This is a factor of intent rather than a physical factor. In the Mishnah, we're talking about physical factors. If it's Arai or if it's Kva, if it's permanent or temporary, if it's how big it is, right? These were ideas that had to do with the physical character of the Ol itself. Now, all of a sudden, we're entering into new territory. We're talking, at least according to Rashi, we're talking about uh, your intent. Did you intend to make it or not? Which means that you could theoretically have two exact same structures one being an all, one not being an all. You could have a midbach shalavanim that you made, and you could have a midbach shalavanim that you also made, but didn't, you just meant to pile your stuff that way. And in one case, it will be a conduit for tumah, in one case, not. And again, we're talking about two different things. Right? Our mission was talking about it in ohel vis a vis your location, seemingly. Right? Whereas the, here we're talking about being a conduit for tumah. But be that as it may, um, there was a machloks about uh, an oil an oil that was not uh, deliberately made by man, and uh, Rabbi Huda in that case says that um, that uh, that uh, it's not an oil, that it's uh, not an oil. How come? What's the reason of Rabbi Huda? So we saw machlokas, right? The machlokas is basically a machlokas and drashas. Do we learn out from the Mishkan, and we say the same way the Mishkan has to be intentional and, and deliberate, so too the type of oil here, it also has to be, and therefore this type of oil uh, uh, eroded, you know, whatever, or a pile of bricks or a pile of stones that happened to create the space, airspace of a tefach beneath them, is that, that that's not a problem? Or do we say that, uh, that um, sorry, it is an ohel, 
because, uh, sorry, it is an O because we learn out from the drushas by Paraduma because it says O many times, or it's not an O because we learn out from the Mishkan, which says that it has to be Dumi of the Mishkan, it has to be similar to the Mishkan, which meant that, um, which meant that it had to be, um, which meant that it had to be, uh, that, which meant that it had to be deliberate. So that's where we got up to. So again, now we, this does not have direct implications on our Mishnah yet. If anything, this is consistent with our Mishnah. Why is this? It's not exactly the same thing yet, right? But here, in both, what did Rabbi Huda say in our Mishnah? Rabbi Huda said in our Mishnah that that um, that it's not a Noel, right? Rabbi Huda said that we don't care about it. Or it is a Noel, but it doesn't matter. Or it's not a Noel, right? Rabbi Huda in our Mishnah said that an Ohel that is an Olarai is not meaningful enough to be Vatal Olkva. Here he's saying something in line with that. It's not the same thing. We're going to see when it matters. It doesn't actually matter yet, but we're going to get to it, right? The Gemara is building towards it. But here we're, t- we're also saying something similar, which is that an Ol She'eno Asui Bidei Adam, which is this unintended Ol, is also not an Ol, or is also not significant on the basis of the drasha from the Mishkan that says it has to be deliberate. So these two things are consistent in, in theme, I guess. You know, they're not identical halachos, per se, but thematically they're, they're similar in that they're both saying, and this is not exactly relevant, I'm just trying to set up for the Gemara's ultimate question on Chafal Hamid base, but as we're thinking through these different types of olos, to try and align Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yehuda and the Mishnah and Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yehuda over here is going to be part of our, our project. But anyway, as... Let's leave aside the Mishnah and let's just continue along the, the Gemara's path, which is saying that Rabbi Huda says the Ol Sheino also be the Adam is not an Ol. So we're up to let's start again from Vesavar. You see that? So that's um, that's five lines down from the from the top on Chafal from So the Gemara asks Vesavar Rabbi Huda call Ol Sheino also be the Adam Eino Ol. Does Rabbi Huda really hold? That any ol that is not made, that is not man-made is not an ol that is not deliberate is not an ol. Reminhu asked the Gemara contradiction. So there were there were courtyards set up in Jerusalem, on top of a rock, and underneath them was airspace, because of kever hatom literally means. A kever, a, a grave which is in the depths. But Rashi says it means, if you look, it's just sort of an, it's just sort of an allegory. It's just a, a way of saying it. That Rashi says over here, Kol shem kever hatahom, but tumas hatahom shabeshas lashon safeku. So kitahom kisheino goli kisheino goli. And tahom means depths, which means something that's not clear, something that you can't really see, you can't fathom it. It's sort of very deep. It's the depths. So it's a way of saying tumas safek. Right? That there's a questionable tumma there that we don't know. That we're concerned maybe there's a kever there. Um, and uh, if the mace, if the dead body would not have a tefach of airspace and a tent on top to cap it, so then it would just go straight up and be matami everything. Right? So therefore they built this system, they built this structure um, in order to uh, protect f- from tumma of kevratum, suffolk tumma. So they were concerned for Suffolk Tumah, a doubt of Tumah in Yerushalayim for the people that were going to be involved in the Paraduma. And <clears throat> therefore they have this system. So they built these chatseros, these courtyards on top of the rock. 
and underneath them was, was airspace. Because of the kever hatahom, the unknown tuma. They would bring pregnant wives there who would give birth there. And they'd raise their kids there who would be used in the Paraduma service. Wonder like what their like uh, schools look like, you know what I mean? Anyway, and Shvarim and they brought oxen, Valgabehan Dolosos, and on top of the oxen were doors, which means like planks, like wide planks. Vitinokos Yoshan Al and the children would sit on their backs on top of these planks. Vikoso shall Evan Biadehem, and the kids would hold these cups of stone in their hands. They reached the Shiloh, the stream near the base of Mikdash, Yardlus Ochamayim. They filled it with water. Umilum, and they filled it. Va'alu Vyashulahim. They went back up and sat back on the planks. They got off the planks, filled it with water, got back on top. And Rav Yossi says, no, that's not what they did. It's not that the kids used to actually get off of the cows, get off of the doors which are on top of the cows and go down into the, into the thing to fill it up, but rather they would, um, rather they would uh, just, uh, from their place, they'd lower it down and fill it up. So I want to see this Rashi. We're not doing all the Rashis, but I just think that it's important just so everyone remembers the background for some inter- interesting things here about this whole story. So if we could look together in this Rashi, Nashim Ubros, this, this is going to give us a little background of this story. So you see that? The, the Rashi on the Umevim Nashim Ubros. So this is a Mishnah in Para. So the first Mishnah that we spoke about yesterday was a Mishnah in Olos. Right? That's a Mishnah that's describing an Ol shall also be the Adam. Now we're talking about a Mishnah in Olos, which seems to have nothing to do with what we're discussing yet. Okay? So let's just get the background. Let's fully understand the case. And then we'll get it. So... Rashi says, "Mishum ahiditznam." We learn in Para, in Parakil Moshnezayim, "Mitamen hayu asakohenim asarofes apara." They would purposefully defile the kohen who would burn the paraduma. So the kohen who was involved in the paraduma service, they would on purpose make him tame. Umat bilan osomiyat, and they would immediately immerse him then in the mikvah. Why? Why would they do this? Sounds crazy. Sounds counter everything we just read. Right? So Rashi says, this is really the Mishnah, Stop. So basically, here's the halacha. There was a machlokas between the Tzedukim, the Sadducees, and the, I guess the Prushim, and the Mishnah, the Armasara, as to whether or not a Tzedukim, which is someone that's Tame, a certain type of Toma, and went to the Mikvah, but it still has not yet the sun has not yet set on them. So are they eligible to do the paraduma? So the tzedukim had a drasha, which said that, um, it's not such a compelling drasha, there's another pasuk elsewhere that talks about the sun creating tahara. So I'm not sure if they altogether argued on it or just over here. It sounds a little bit like from the Rabbi Novadim Ratanur that they altogether argued on the concept, but um, that it's based on the sun setting. So you actually needed the sun to set to become Tahar. And therefore, a Kohen who was a Tful Yom, again, the Tful Yom means someone who 
got, went to the mikvah in the day, but was still not yet, the sun did not yet set on him. So he's missing comp- part of it, but can he be involved in the service of the paraduma? So Sukkim said, no, he's still Tameh. And uh, Prushim and, the, and we, right, the good guys, we said that uh, you're Tahar and it's Kasher. So we Dafka did this to him. We went out of our way, and this comes up a number of times in Shas, where we would go out of our way to do something which complicates matters to show that the Tzadukim are wrong. So they would be metame the Kohen who was involved in the Paraduma, to make him a Tful Yom status, such that he should do the Avoda of the Paraduma, he should do the Paraduma service as a Tful Yom. As a Tful Yom. The Tzugim said, no, that's not what it says in the Torah. The Torah says, Uvash that it has to be, uh, you have to be, uh, the sun has to set to be Tahar. Um, and the, the Rav here says, Chama Kivu, the Torah, Amar Parshas Chatos, Torah Lameiser Kama, which is a Tulyam. That doesn't have to be that full level of the, of the sunset. So there was this machlokas uh, between the Tzadukim and the Prushim. So in order to show that they're wrong, we dafka had, we specifically had the Kohen who was doing this be a Tzulyam. However, Rashi continues, V'chivan de Tzulyam kosher v'para. Since the Tzulyam is kosher to do the para duma, so that's like a weakness, right? You've already created a certain kula. There's a certain leniency that you've built in because you're saying we're going to have a Tameh guy do this. So he's not really, he's not fully Tameh because he's Tahar for Meiser and the Chazal have a drasha that if you're Tahar to do Meiser, to eat Meiser, then you're Tahar also for the Paraduma. However, for other things, that's not good enough. A Tzulyom isn't good, good for everything. And so therefore, there's a, that's like a Kula. So on the one hand, they did this specifically, almost as a chumrah in philosophy, or ashkaf or whatever, to show that the tzedukim were wrong. Mm. But they did a kula, right? They did a leniency to do that. The leniency was to purposefully have a tful yom be the one who did the paraduma service. Therefore what? Says Rashi, asuba mailas harve. They made a lot of other mailas. They made a lot of other stringencies as it relates to the paraduma. Because once we create this leniency, that a Tful Yom is able to do and should do the Paraduma, we therefore had to create other stringencies to protect the integrity of the mitzvah. So therefore, all the Kalim, if you notice when we read the story, right, the Mishnah, so they used stone Kalim, which are not Makabotumah. The Kohen had to separate a number of Chumras, right? And this whole thing, if you skip down a little bit, we'll just read the whole thing. They sprinkle on him all seven. And another one of the stringencies is this Mishnah. Another one of the stringencies is this Mishnah, that they did this whole incredibly elaborate structure, right? These children who are born b'tahara, who are born in purity, because they lived on these like rocks in Jerusalem and these special housing units, right? Self storage, right? They had the paraduma housing, right? So they uh, they would fill them. They would fill them mechatas. That was a chumrah they did. Okay, so so uh, so it's interesting 
that Tosus has a problem because Tosus says, I'm not going to get into the details of the Tosus, but he says there are other areas which this wasn't foolproof, right? There are other areas of Tumah. So he says that they, whatever they did, they, they did. Now, this Tosus over here, maybe in Nashim Ubers Viyoldos. So he says uh, there were Tame Benida and the Tame Bioletis, a lot of other things that there were issues with. So, like, what's the point of this whole deal? So he says that which they were able to do, they were able to do. But the bottom line is, is that this was fundamentally a stringency that existed to protect the integrity of the part. That's a remarkable thing, right? So what emerges then, if you do the math, what emerges is that to combat this heretical movement, they basically created a kula, which yielded this enormous burden, right? This enormous elaborate burden, it seems, Right, and the part of them were processing people's lives, but that was all justified on the on the sort of altar of combating the heretical movement of the tzedukim. Right, so anyway, that's this. That's so far what we've done. The, this that's the first part. That's the Mishnah and Par. Okay, that's the Mishnah and Par. There's a machlokas with the tzedukim. Is it full yom, which is someone who has gone who has uh, gone to the mikvah, but the sun has not yet set on him? Is he kosher? to do the paraduma, that was a machlok between the tzedukim and the prushim, on the basis of drushas, and um, <laughs> basically, um, basically, uh, they, did, they had to do something to protect the integrity. It's, it's interesting that when the Rav says this is sort of a little bit of a tangent, I heard this from Rabbi Weinberg on a tape, it's very interesting, it's really Rav Sadja, but, uh, but um, it says something interesting. He says that the biggest problem with the, one of the, if you, he, he said he clearly read a number of books of the Tzedukim. As you can get books, I don't know if you ever read any of them. Have you ever read any of them? There are Svarim published by the Tzedukim, which you can read, you can buy, you can get some of them. Uh, this is much, way more sophisticated. So what was the Tzedukim? What was the issue with the Tzedukim? They didn't believe in the Torah Shabbat Peh, the oral Torah. Right? So you're stuck with all the proofs, right? All, what does Tefillin mean? Everything you've heard. What does Tefillin mean? What does Priyat Hadar mean? So it's Dukim were stuck with that too. How do they deal with that? So they created their own drushas. With their own oral. <laughs> so Rabbi Weinberg's point on the tape was so that if most of the sifs, and they seem to be saying this from having read it, most of the books of the Tzdukim were essentially a substitute Talmud, right? They were creating their own oral Torah to supplant the oral Torah, which was from tradition. Because you need an oral Torah, this is Rabbi Weinberg's point, right? You need an oral Torah in order to address all these things, because you can't possibly explain it. So I'm looking at the Rav, I'm not sure 100% if, you, if, he, if this is exactly what he means, but he sort of has an elaborate drusha here to explain why the Tzedukim held that the, it's just interesting because it resonates with what Rabbi Weinberg was saying. If I'm understanding what the Rav said correctly, you guys can check it out yourselves. So he says here, they were darshan a pasuk by the, by the paraduma, which says vasaf ishtahor. It says that Ish Tahor should gather the ashes of the Paraduma. And ain't Tahor Elisharev Shimsha. And what is Tahor? What is an Ish Tahor in the Paraduma? Someone with Harav Shemesh, someone who the sun had set for. Right? And how do you know that? From a different Pasuk, Uva Shemesh Vitir. So you compare the Pasuk elsewhere where it talks about Tahara, and it says Tahara over there, so Tahara over here. So I'm not sure exactly if it's precedent or a drasha, but it's at least reminiscent of Rabbi Weinberg's point that in order to address the issues which 
are necessary, what type of tahara are we talking about, you need to create your own oral, you need to create your own methodology of interpretation to yield an outcome, right? So the tzedukim basically have this drush that the Rav cites. I'm not exactly sure we knew it. I guess maybe, maybe other kind of, I don't know, maybe the Gemara talks about it in Zvachim where it discusses this, I don't remember. But anyway, so that, that's just very reminiscent of this issue. And this whole Mishnah is there just in order to address this fact. Okay? Okay, stop here.